0: So excited to be with you here this morning, and I have a, an encouraging word and an instructing word for us as we talk about Father's Day, and it really comes from one of the Psalms, Psalm 127, so if you could grab your Bible real quick and turn there with me. Thank you, Dina, Pastor Dina, who just recently got licensed. God bless you. Very, very... Parts of this psalm are very, very famous, but not like Psalm 23. But if you would turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 127, or Psalm number 127. Psalm is just uh, the Hebrew word for it's a song. And there are many different types of songs in here and many different authors. While David wrote a lot of these he didn't write all of them, he only wrote one, they're pretty much like five song books in the book of Psalms cut up in different sections and they're all put in there, and there's one here that just really is uh, one section of the Psalms which are called the Songs of Ascent or Pilgrimage let me read this to you and then we'll just kind of speak through and illustrate through what this Psalm says but very, very fitting for Father's Day Fathering with the father, that's what I want to talk with you about today. Fathering with the father. And this would go out to single moms, dads, single dads, fathers who've yet to be fathers, and fathers who have launched their children. And more importantly, even those of us who have not had children, but the Bible calls us to be fathers to the fatherless. We are all called to father in one way or another. Psalm 127, Fathering with the Father a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food and eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in courts. Fathering with the Father. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would bless the truth of your word. You'd encourage with it you'd instruct, you'd inspire, you'd uplift, you'd pull people out of discouragement, you'd strengthen them, you'd bless them, and you would apply your truth to our life that it would make a difference today, here, and now, and into the future, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now what's really cool about the setting of this psalm, you have to understand it when it calls it a psalm of ascent. Now this is a little bit of a, a piece of info here in Judaism, but if you go to Deuteronomy 16, 16, you don't have to go there now, but if you go there, it says that three times a year, all of the Jews were to appear in Jerusalem. So if you lived all the way in Damascus, or all the way in Babylon, or all the way in Athens, they would make pilgrimage back to Jerusalem for these festivals where they would celebrate as an entire community. Um, today, probably the closest thing that makes sense to you and I might be the pilgrimage of Mecca that Muslims make, and they have over a million people visiting that place. And it's just, it's, it's similar to that. You could picture that, but with Jews doing doing this. And as they made their journey, there were there were literally fifteen psalms that they would sing, and it was Psalm one hundred and twenty through one hundred and thirty-four. Four of the first four of those psalms were written by David. One of them, the one that we're looking at now, was written by Solomon, the son of David, the wisest man that ever lived. And then 10 of them, we don't know who wrote them, but what's amazing about these songs is is that the Jewish people would sing these as they were marching to Jerusalem for days, for weeks. And then finally, when they reached the place of Jerusalem, they came to the lower part of the city. They would ascend up a staircase And for those of you that are thinking about going to Israel or those of you that are joining us in Israel, that stairwell going up, you can walk on that, literally. The place where Jesus, where the disciples, where the Jewish people through the ages would walk up those steps and they would be singing literally all of these psalms. And as they got closer and closer, it would get louder and louder. There used to be this obnoxious song that uh, someone used to sing. I don't know if you ever heard of it, The Song That Never Ends. You ever hear that one? How does uh, help me out, Derek, cuz it's been a long time, but it's like this is the song that never ends and and they keep going on and then they start and they, and people just do it to annoy you, to drive you crazy cuz it's a song that never ends. It's it's like an obnoxious song, but imagine taking your 15 favorite worship songs that you've ever heard or move, mu- music that moves you. We all have different tastes and styles, but imagine all of these songs related to worshiping God. Putting them together and singing them over and over again worshiping tears pouring down your face hands going up And then they would see jerusalem and then they would get to the to the stairs and they would climb up to the city And in the temple as they walked into the temple there were literally 15 steps Inside the court of the temple and on each of those the priests the levites the choir Would sing one of those songs psalm 120 on the first step and then they'd go up to the next step They'd sing the next one, they'd sing the next one, they'd sing the next one. You remember when you were a teenager and that song came on the radio and you were going down the road because you, you just got your driver's license and you were allowed to go out with your friends for the first time, and you start singing that song and it's like you, you, everyone in the, in the car is singing it and you're like, oh yeah, no, you know But now you take that and you mix that with the presence of God and entering into the, to the courts where God dwelt. And that's the kind of experience that they had it, it in other words I guess what I'm trying to say with all of this is that it was a shared experience it's so hard nowadays to have shared experiences with your family because so many of the devices and things that we've created tend to isolate us more than bring us together but there are some just sometimes where you just got to set it aside and say hey we we need a shared experience and they would literally sing these songs as they came into the presence of god and what's amazing is is how incredibly wise this song is it doesn't surprise me that solomon's the author of this because solomon was an expert at being able to tell you everything that was great the problem was is that just like you and me he struggled applying it and that shouldn't be said to shame solomon or to shame us but it actually should be there to encourage us especially those of us that have been fathers because nobody gets this thing right nobody gets it perfect um it gives you something to aim at and so look at here it says the the song of ascent of solomon first thing he, he talks about is a builder it says unless the lord builds the house unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain i just grabbed a couple of my tools here and i have this incredible curse and that i'm good at fixing things but i have a confession to me I, i mean i really am like pretty much there isn't anything that can't break that i can't figure out how to fix it and um as the years have gone by i've learned how to get better and better at fixing different things and I've come to realize that I only have so much strength. I only have so much resource I only have so much skill But there's a reason why God likens Building a family To building a home or to building a house Now I, I have to make a confession is, is that while I get up here and it sounds self-serving that I'm bragging that I'm really good at fixing things And I am honest to goodness I am But my wife and I have bought three fixer uppers And when it with emphasis on the fixer up and we turn those things around like apparently like right now My house is worth $500,000 like if I could move into an apartment right now I'd sell that baby man and just cha-ching, you know, but it's passive income What can you do with it? Right, but the truth is is that I was really terrible at fixing things initially um when I was dating my wife she she had a problem with her car And so I said, well, you know, I was like, you know, let me check under the hood, baby, you know? And so I did. I went, shh. And I have no idea what I'm looking at, right? I'm just telling you, it's the truth. And in fact, um, I closed the hood, but I didn't close it all the way. And so I looked at it. She knew more about cars than me, because her father is very handy. And then as she drove down the road, as she was driving home that night, the hood flipped up, hit her windshield, smashed her windshield, and it was this close to Ethan and Andrew never coming into existence. It was really horrible. I couldn't change my oil. I couldn't tell you how a, a drill worked. It was pathetic. It really was. Now my dad was a great great man and he taught me a lot of things that that a lot of uh, kids don't get taught by their fathers my father was an expert at character and being ordinary my dad is just such a great man but he didn't know how to fix stuff and so he could not pass that to me so my father-in-law when Diana and i got married he said paul here's here's how it's going to work i'm going to show you how to fix it like you come to me and tell me what's wrong and i'm going to tell you how to do it and if you can't do it i'm going to have you with me when i fix it and this way you can see that this is how you do it and then if it's too complicated and it's just one of these things like a a sensor inside of your furnace that you'll never probably ever have to fix again in your life and it's complicated i'm just going to do it for you okay because you'd have to hire somebody to do it so This began the journey with my father-in-law becoming a father to me And so he would he would take me in he would he would show me how to fix things He showed me how to skim coat walls put up sheetrock cut stuff frame things change Roofs change my oil all these different things and then finally I, I got to this place where it was like oh my goodness I actually can build things I can fix things and Yet as much as I can fix things When it comes to building a family when it comes to being a father or being a mother father figure to To your children or building a home or pouring into somebody else's life It's actually not us doing it. It's knowing that you need to partner with God Because he says it like this unless the Lord builds the house We labor in vain now think about that for a second Unless the Lord builds the house. Okay, the Lord's going to build my house. Yes. You know what? I don't need to do anything. God is going to raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God is going to teach my kids to pray. God is going to... Well, no, the Lord has to be a part of building the house. But you also have to labor. It's that when you don't let God partner with you and you partner with God, the labor and effort that you put into building is wasted. It's totally wasted. In other words, what God is saying is is, as you parent, you're going to have those moments where you're going to say, "I don't know what to do." And God, like my father-in-law, is going to come beside you, and he's going to say, "Here's what's going to happen. I want you to watch my life. I want you to watch me. I want you to look at me. And when you don't know what to do, i'm going to help you do it and show you how to do it and resource you to do it so that you'll be able to take over on that eventually and then every once in a while when a difficult problem or situation shows up that is too big and too difficult for you that you can't do i'm going to take care of it for you and that is how god is our father that is how god is our husband that's how god is our helper it doesn't mean that we leave it all to god but it also means that We partner with him now there's another aspect of this in in the old testament whenever you talked about the house where it says in hebrew habayit whenever you talked about the house you were talking about the house of the lord this would be habayit the 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 house this is the house and in the old testament and in the new testament whenever you talked about the house you were talking about the temple in jerusalem the place of places and David when he was a father and his and believe me David was a great songwriter but he was not a wonderful father he had all kinds of problems with his children and and he continued to come before God and try to sing it through and walk it through and he did the best he could. And if God, David calls, God calls David a man after God's own heart and he had problems with his children, then I can take hope and know that God is not looking for perfect fathers. He's looking for available worshiping fathers. Fathers that will, will, will have the heart bent towards God and will take their failures and their fatigues and their problems and bring them and say, God, I don't know how to do this. Please help me. Partner with me. But to have a house david said to god he said lord i want to build you a house i want to i I'm, he was the one that got the tabernacle back and he, he was the one that put it in jerusalem but there there was no place for them to build the the temple yet and so he sets it up on the outside with the tabernacle and he says i'm going to build you a house i'm going to overlay it with gold david has all these good intentions and the lord says no 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 to david it's not for you to build this house your son's going to build it But in return, I'm going to build for you a house, a dynasty, and you will never fail to have a a son on the throne. And he says this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The whole chapter talks about it. But he says this, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless this house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, you shall uh, blessing, shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. I believe that every man needs to pray that prayer over their home to say, Oh God, thank you, whether I'm renting this place or whether I am owning this place, that this home and this house that I live in is a blessed place. But God, please bless my home, my house of my children, of my family, of my husband and myself, and my dog, you know, or my cat, whatever it is that you have. You know, Lord, help us to be like a family to people that don't have that. God, help me to be that husband, that wife, that mo- that father, that mother, that person, that child, that son, that daughter to you, that son or daughter to somebody else. God bless my house and what you'll find is is when you would begin to pray not think about this but when you begin to move from thinking about talking to God and you begin to pray to God specifically these kind of prayers you'll find that conflicts will begin to simmer down differences and divides will narrow that problems will begin to solve themselves that that di- that that conflicts will start to cease that you begin to say oh god bless my home bless my children and and over the period of their lifetime you just stay that course and you will find that god is with you and it is never too late for you to become the person that god intended you to be you might be here today and you might be in your 60s or your 70s or your 80s and you're saying pastor this just doesn't apply to me because i'm i'm too old now i'm not too no it is never too late for you to become the person that God intended you to be, your life is an occasion and rise to it and while you have breath in your lungs, you can be that person that God wants you to be. You may not be able to be that father to a child if you don't have any you may but you you can't be that son to that to that uh, father because they're gone, but you can be that person that says i 'm going to be a source of wisdom i 'm going to be a source of love i 'm going to be a resource to a couple i 'm going to be somebody that helps build what what God wants to build into families and into lives but unless God builds the house they labor in vain you know we build far more in our families than just homes and you know this is kid number one and two and three and you build their future you build their hopes you build their self-esteem you build their courage you build their stability now This is not a dig at any of you who have ever experienced the pain of divorce if the Bible says to become one flesh And that means if you've experienced divorce, then you know what it's like to have your life ripped apart and you're wounded and that's a painful thing and That's the reason why we have a ministry on Tuesday nights here called divorce care but but I want I want to just say this to to you that that when it comes to children When it comes to my father i said to my dad i said dad you are such a good father i want to thank you and he looked at me and he said said paul why do you even say that you see this is the trick the truth of the matter is for every one of you that still has a father that's alive they don't really feel good about themselves as a father most father's self-esteem is low and i i said to my dad i said dad you're a good father he's like Paul, I just I tried my best. I just are you kidding me? Dad, the best gift you ever gave me was that you never left mom. You provided stability in my life. And if ever if anything, let me tell you something. If you're feeling for those of you that are fathers that are still with your family or you're rebuilding a family and you're expanding it, you still can be there for your children the greatest gift that you can give is to give stability to the people in your immediate circle it's a priceless gift but we get we, we form things we form opportunities in our kids as well too i remember when we were in my neighborhood in uh, oxford avenue in bradford we were living at the time at the bible college and we had a home nearby Uh, I always grew. I always did outdoor stuff, so I always like life for me is a campfire. So I started having campfires in the backyard, and so then all of a sudden I we had the fire stick. uh, We had we had the metal poker in the fire, and all of a sudden I pulled it out and it's glowing hot. And Andrew's like, "Whoa, that is so cool." and I was like, oh, this is a chance for me to teach my son. See, my, my kid will freak you out. If you were my next door neighbor, you would not want to be my next door neighbor, because my son is every day is burning bonfires, like huge fires, and he's taking pieces of metal out. And so I said, Drew, you know, there's this thing called blacksmithing, right? And you heat it up in the fire, and then you take it, and you, 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 you bang it out, and then you reheat, you dip it in water to temper it, and then you, you, you reheat it, and so then I just decided I went and I bought him this hammer and I bought him this anvil and we started getting pieces of like metal of iron because it's easier to work with and he would just go out there and spend instead of his time on video games he was playing with fire and it was awesome and he was banging pieces of metal and he was doing all that and then finally this show came out called forged in fire maybe you've seen it yeah and so we got some fans of it right there and they were building daggers and stuff like that and I'm like you could make a dagger like that Andrew he's like yeah. And so he said, "Really?" And then I told my brother, who is actually an excellent, he's an expert woodworker. He's got tens of thousands of dollars of wood lathes and tools and and so he's he's like, "Yeah, Andrew, you can do that." And then all of a sudden he just set to working and he he made his first knife that I got right here. He's got a wooden handle on it. A C Andrew Conway. It's it's sharpened and like if if he goes to prison, he's gonna rule the place. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what value there is in this. Well, my son, you know, he could be like one of those like recon ranger guys, makes a but but what what was the big deal of this? Can he make a living off of it? I remember he started saying, Dad, you know, when I, I what do you want to be when you grow up? You'd ask kids and you know they'd be like, I want to be a doctor, I wanna be a lawyer, I wanna be a fireman, I'm a policeman. My son was like, I wanna be a blacksmith. I'm like, you're about like five centuries too late for making a living off of this kind of thing. But But what was i doing i was building my son's confidence i was building his his ingenuity i was supporting what he has listen when your kids are into something and you're not necessarily in it if i could encourage you dads that are here today that you should make time to fan into flame you see there's a gift to be had in building a house and building a child where maybe that interest you might not know anything about it but just just take time and learn about it and pass that on to them you see because there will come a day where andrew's going to be at college and he's going to say to himself or maybe he's going to be in a career maybe he's going to be in a trade and he's going to realize oh it takes time pressure heat man this man making something takes time but it's worth it that's an invaluable lesson What's the lesson of my son blacksmithing that he can become a blacksmith? No, that he realizes that he has a father behind him that says you could do it. And I became interested in blacksmithing just because he did that. We'd watch Forged in Fire and it was awesome. As second, the second thing that it comes up here, the second metaphor about building a home and for fathers is this. He says that unless... The Lord watches over the city. The watchman stays awake in vain. Watchman today is more like a, and that 's not like that movie The Watchman that was just a weird movie don't don't don 't watch it because I mentioned it up here. please, I have nothing to do with it. It was just weird but um, I can some of you watch that are like, yeah, it is weird um, but let 's see if this'll work so this is my uh, this is actually my my tactical gear, believe it or not. And uh, you can, you can, uh, I, I didn't do it today because I didn't want to freak anyone out, but actually I, you can put a pistol in here and so there's no weapons or knives, clips or anything like that. But the equivalent of a watchman is basically somebody that stays up and they're, they're on watch. You hear this, any of you have been in the military, you're on watch and you're staying awake and you're looking out to make sure that nobody catches you by surprise when you're, not, when you're sleeping, whether the team is getting rest and you've had a long day. Um, Sam is gonna be running into uh, drills for two weeks in July, I think that is, right, Sam? Two weeks in July, he's waving, he's saying, yeah he's gonna, for two weeks, he's gonna be like near no shower, no anything, Uh, it's amazing, baby wipes do the job, trust me, and they're gonna have a guy on point, they're on guard, on point, on watch, and while everyone's sleeping through all the night, there'll be somebody out there listening to hear if if an enemy is coming, watching, and the Lord says this, he says, unless the Lord is watching over the city, they labor in vain, they watch in vain, now what is that saying, they're saying that it's not just your labor, but it's your labor with God to be able to say, Lord, help me stay and pay, and pay watch to keep looking. Now, th- this is a little bit of a, uh, an odd kind of a connection, but it's such, it's such an important one. You can watch over your kids without letting the Lord watch over your kid. Well, how do you do that? Well, you could be one of those nanny cams, right? You could have, like, track your child, on your phone, and, like, call them all day long. Like, are you there yet? Are you there yet? What are you doing? Why are you stopping off at, 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 at like, Chick-fil-A? What's the matter with you? You know? Why, and, you know, what's going on? You can You can have all of the discussion and control over your kids, but if the Lord is not a part of that process, then You labor in vain you watch in vain I'm gonna watch over their career I'm gonna watch over their dreams I'm gonna watch over this I'm gonna watch over that but you're just a human being you can only do so much you're limited to what you can do you want God to be a part of that it's like uh, it's not only that it's like talking to the neighbors how many of you let's be honest right here you did stuff that your parents didn't catch you doing when you were a teenager and a young adult how many of you are keeping your hand down and you are a liar liar it is our job as parents to keep watch but I've come to realize something that I can't see everything I can be fooled I do the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers but I do miss things there's a season in my son's life Ethan my older one where he just started zigzagging off of the path let me tell you what I am so happy that I have a son who loves Jesus who plays up there and i always tell him like you know he's totally into playing you know but he's pouring himself through the keys and yeah he's i don't know what it is with the winter cap in summer but you know what he loves the lord with all of his heart i'll put him up there all day long but there there have been seasons in life and this is going back a, a long time ago but the enemy came into the camp into his life and he started doing some stupid things guess what even your pastor has challenges with his children Even god has problems with his kids And I turned to my son and I said uh, he uh, it was it was very late in the night. He came home and uh, He was in trouble. He was in trouble and When you keep watch you miss things, but when god keeps watch He causes things to get seen that you wouldn't be able to find And that's what happened and I turned to him, and I, I was like having one of those moments. Lord, I don't know what to say. How do I be a father to my son right now? What, What's the right thing to do and to say? And where's the line of grace and mercy and justice and discipline and all this? And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just put the right words into my mind and in my heart. And I just looked at him, and I grabbed his face, and I said to him, I said, Ethan, I feel like you have this idea that when you're doing right, I'm proud of you, but when you do wrong I'm ashamed to think that you're my son and that's not true and all of a sudden he just began to weep uncontrollably see I would have been looking for how to find the problem the person and deal with the situation I would have been seeking how to handle it in my own way but God knew what he needed to hear he actually in a moment where he made a very big mistake he needed to hear that not only do i love him when i'm proud of him but i care for him when he makes some of his bigger mistakes and it changed our relationship and his his life i really believe that and i think that that is what it means when it says unless the lord builds the house unless unless Unless, unless God's involved in the process. And how do you involve him in it? I think in simple, the biggest and easiest way to do it, it looks really simple. It's just basically saying, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, that's really what it looks like to be able to say, I just have to be honest. I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I find when I become too comfortable with being too confident, That's where some of my worst mistakes are made. I put my focus in the wrong direction, and that's the next thing that happens with this person here. He puts his his efforts, his, his energy, and it says this, If it is in vain that you rise early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep, See, labor, working hard for the family is is what you have to do. But this, hear me on this. (laughs) Sometimes we stay at home and we think that that's the place we're supposed to be. And sometimes it's the Lord saying, "This says the Lord, break a sweat, get out there and do do work. That that's you got it. the The Lord's in the hustle. We're not in charge of the harvest, but we're in charge of the hustle. We can do it. And there have been different times in my life where I remember I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. My father. Uh, had at one point three jobs he was working the morning shift the afternoon shift and then he worked the night shift and he did that for four years catching I mean he must average about five nights five hours of sleep a day and it was just he had to do it we hadn't we got burned in this this particular house deal and it, and it was it was difficult I remember when my wife and I were at Bible college, and then we were we were teaching at the Bible college, and I, we we literally had five jobs between the two of us. I was working for the Center for Holy Land Studies, working for the college, and she was doing three other different things. And man, there's a time to work, and there's a need to to be in the hustle. But Ecclesiastes talks about how. He said this, he, this is the same author of the psalm wrote this in Ecclesiastes. He said, I hated my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me and who knows whether he will be a wise man or a foolish man. Yet he will be master of all which I toiled for uh, with my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity for all his days are full of sorrow and his vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is vanity. It is great that you have a 401k. It is wonderful that you have investment properties. It is incredible that you have all these other things. But do you think that the life is about simply storing those things up for tomorrow when you can make an impact as well on today? Toil and work is good. But if you live for the, for the work, and listen, 401ks, investment properties, all of these different things that some of us are kind of like, what? And others of us are like, yup, wherever you are on that spectrum, those things are not bad. They're a good thing. But unless the Lord is involved in the toil, it's spoil. You need to allow the Lord to be Lord of your finances. He needs to be Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. And, and, and think about this. I think about so many fathers who, who just went nonstop, and they're just, I'm doing it for my kids, I'm doing it for my kids, I got a trust fund for my kids, we got this, we got that, we got that. And then they grow up, and guess what? They have everything that they planned for their kids except their kid. Because they forgot the most important investment of all, their children themselves and that's what Solomon's getting at here he's saying there's nothing wrong with getting up and rising early there's nothing wrong with work, but look at how he describes the work, eating the bread of anxious toil. Jesus, we talked about this recently, where Jesus says, look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the field, they neither spin nor labor, but God, not even Solomon, not even Solomon the, the author of this psalm, the author of Ecclesiastes, we just quoted, not even Solomon was dressed as amazing in, in all of his splendor as one of these, and if he can feed the birds of the air and clothe the lilies of the field. How much can your heavenly Father provide knowing what you need, provide what you need? Sometimes we work too hard for the wrong things and we, we get the point and we miss the person. And I think that there's deep truth in that. And... The deep truth in that actually came to my wife when we were at Gordon-Conwell um, She had never lived more than a few miles away from her family So her whole world was pretty much centered around her family And by the way, my in-laws, I have, you can call yours outlaws I'll never do it. I have the best in-laws on the planet They are awesome, awesome people My father-in-law is like a father to me My mother-in-law is like a mother to me I'm going to lose my mother and father long before them by God's, you know, if old age is the cause, but I will not be fatherless or motherless by any means. They're just wonderful people. But while we were moving up into to the Bible college, Gordon-Conwell, my wife had such an overwhelming sense of homesickness, I literally didn't think we were going to make it three times I had to go into the office and I stepped down I I canceled I said I need to drop out and then I would come home and my wife would be like you need to stay in school this is my problem I need to work through it so she would talk me to the point of like I can't my marriage is not going to survive this I need to I need to step down and she would say this isn't you this is me I need to I need to do this and every night she had night after night where she was sleepless And as she was doing this she read this verse it is in vain that you rise up early and go out and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil For he gives his beloved sleep and she began to say to herself god. Do you even love me? I can't sleep I can't sleep long story short After reading that verse over and over again, she finally decided to read the verses after it Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he spends when he speaks with them and his enemies at the gate. And all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, I know what the problem is. We need another kid. I was like, What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> <laughs> i was like what she said i'm so aff- you see we had four years between ethan and andrew because my wife actually threw up on an average of nine times a day every day from the moment she became pregnant till the moment she delivered ethan god bless him he was vomited into the world he was being birthed and puked at the same time and uh She was traumatized by that. And she was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And then finally, byproduct of that is Andrew. And both of them are a tremendous blessing. But I love the metaphor. And I'm always looking for a good reason to use this in a church. But this is a recurve bow. Go ahead. You can whistle out the Hunger Games whistle if you need to. This is a recurve bow. And these are arrows now i'm not going to shoot hunting arrows because that would really freak you out if you're here visiting the church for the first time you'd probably make it your last but hunting arrows are they've got razors on them and uh there they, there's a lot of work that goes into this you take the arrow you've got to put the feathers on it just right on the right angles You've got to have the notch that's on there and to go through it. The ones that I'm having no I don't even know what that is. So this is a this is a target arrow. Thank you. Wasn't that good? So, so here's what I'd like to do is, uh, how many of you have ever done archery? How many of you have never done archery and you're like, I want to try it? Yeah. All right. Uh, I I only I saw, I don't know who's over there. Is that Caitlin? Come on up here, Caitlin. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a chance to shoot at this. Yeah. No, you can do it. I believe in you. All right. This is a recurve bow. So this is actually maybe you've seen like the compound bows that like are you know a pulley system, but this is this is this is a Hunger Game one here. So. Where are you? Yeah, you got to come down here. Come on, Katniss. It's, it's really not that hard. So here's, here's, here's what you have to do. Some of you out there are really worried, right? But this is, you get, we're gonna, I'm going to notch the arrow for you. The easiest way to do this is to put three fingers or two fingers up like this. I'd say three fingers down, but just the tip of your finger. Okay, stand, watch this. Put your feet like this sideways and then you you get it kind of so that your arm it's a little bit on an angle so you let gravity keep this down otherwise it's kind of going like that and you pull it back into the corner of your cheek and then you let it go all right so here we go you can stand right here okay there's not anybody in the audience you're angry at right so keep your arm a little bit bent. It's gonna be a combination. Watch this, get it right in there like, a, like, okay. And get your fingertips on there so that you have it and just use three. All right, that, yep, that's it. And kind of bring it back, bring it into the corner of your elbow and get your eye kind of close to it. So you can. Whoa, all right, that's pretty good, thank you. All right, I gotta have Derek try this. Derek's gotta try it once real quick. But just feel the power, brother. It's recurve bow, 35. I was gonna gonna bring out the 60-pound one, but then nobody would be able to pull that thing back. Except me. District 11. All right! Think about this. This is what God describes your children as, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, and blessed is the, is the man, the woman, the man, the person, whoever you are raising your children, whose quiver's full. I, 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 I want to show off, but I'm not going to do it, but I want you to know I walked everywhere in this room, and I hit the target from everywhere in this room. It was awesome. <laughs> But I I realized if I did that, like you would freak out. Like I'd be behind, you know, Mimi there in the back, and she'd be like, "Don't shoot over my head." And then somebody gets nervous, and then they stand up, and it goes really bad. But but think about this for a second. Think about think about what we're talking about here. Boaz, you can come on up. This is out of all of the truths, this was the most profound one. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Here you get to, there she is, she's good. Would you bring this home to mom and dad? You can give that to dad to take with him, okay? That's for dad though, you gotta walk him over. Why has nobody given this girl candy yet? (laughs) Think about this. to do with this mic today. Listen to the verse one more time. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Like the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I know that in this Father's Day, there are all kinds of peripheral topics. For instance, as I'm sitting up here saying this message today, there are some of you that are having trouble having children. And I want you to know we acknowledge that. It's not today that we can speak to that. But I want you to know something, that the Lord says that he is a father to the fatherless. And and he wants us to be that too. There are many ways in which you can take that part of your heart that might not be fulfilled. And glorify God with that there may be some of you here today that are in the middle of fathering and it's going good and everything happens really really well until this thing comes along called puberty and it's like all of a sudden you wake up one morning my son Andrew was downstairs saying I love you daddy and he went upstairs the next day he came downstairs he's like where's the cereal I'm like oh my goodness and it just everything changes it's just the way it is But there are some of you that are here, here's the beauty of it, is that a warrior doesn't shoot his arrows and makes them disposable. This isn't one shot that you've got. It's not. It doesn't mean to say that if if an arrow gets stuck or if it gets slightly snapped. You know what's amazing about arrows is, is that When it comes to real natural arrows, you can get a lot of uses out of them. You can even mend them when they're broken. You can fix them, you can replace the tips, you can change it. And and there's a very intentional reason why this metaphor of an arrow is used for a child. is because a warrior never wastes an arrow. He aims. Every time we aimed for that bullseye, we were aiming for it, for the target. We were aiming to hit it. We might not get it perfect, but guess what? We get to recover the arrow and shoot again. And again, and again. And you know what I've come to find through the years of life, whether looking forward at other people's lives, looking at mine, or looking back at mine, is that when it comes to children, there are seasons where an arrow might go astray and you can't figure it out, but then sooner or later, that arrow finds its way back to you. It's never too late for you to become the person that God intended you to be. It's never too late for you to become the father God intended you to be. And yep, there are some arrows that that are just stubborn and broken and it's it's not the warrior's fault. But I'll tell you what, while the warrior is making that arrow, it takes a tremendous amount of effort and time in doing that. And if God takes time with us, we need to take time with our children. That's in fact the number one currency for building a healthy family. It's time. Giving people time. You see your kids... Sure, they want stuff and things, but really deep down inside what they want is time. And it might just be awkward, right? You go to a family picnic and your kid's with you half the time, but you know what? They remember those family picnics where everybody was there. I'd like to pray a prayer over each of you here today in whatever phase of life you're at, but particularly for your fathers if you're a father and you're here today, if you'd stand to your feet, I'd like to especially pray for you. If you're a father and you're watching by live stream, we're especially praying for you that God, God would help you. There are up and down seasons in life. There's up and down seasons in our children's life. But you know what? A warrior never wastes an arrow. It's not over till it's over. And my prayer for you is this, that God would, whatever phase and stage of life that you're at, that God, whether you are parenting your children, someone else's children, or both of them at the same time, or the last words that you had with your kid were harsh words, God would give you wisdom on how to bring that son's heart back to you. It says about John the Baptist, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons, and the heart of the sons back to the fathers. God can do that. God can do that. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, first of all, for these men that are standing and these people that are watching that represent fathers at different phases in life. Maybe they can identify with shaping a son like my son, Andrew, or or uh, watching over a child's life at a difficult time like Ethan, or maybe the arrow of, of, of a child that's grown up and and they just seem misplaced and displaced. Give them the courage to pick up the phone, to make the drive, to force the encounter as as, as gently as possible to just say that they love them, that they're here for them. And Lord, I also wanna pray for those that have lost their fathers this year and the year before. Lord, it's, it, I just pray that your comfort and your peace would be there. Nobody loves us unconditionally like, like a parent whose heart is right with you. And so, Father, I just pray for that, for that brokenness in their life and that empty space in their life, that you would show them that unless the Lord, Lord, that what, that, what that means is that you can fill that space. Lord, their father might not be there to fill that space, but this is a place where you can become more real than ever before in their life, in their shaping, in, in their building, in their watching. And, Lord God, even in, Lord God, declaring war against the enemy of hell, Lord. Just pray that you would just use our fathers to be men of God, to be mighty warriors, and our children, Lord God, to know that they are they are not once shot and spent. It's not a once-and-done deal that we have a whole lifetime to continue to, protect, to perfect the shot and relaunch them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I just feel led to just say this, is that, you know, A launch of an arrow is a different phase of life. A childhood launch, a launch of walking your daughter down the aisle for marriage. But you know what? You have more launches in you, especially those of you that are older, where you can continue to shoot that kid's life right in the right direction. You can shoot somebody else's child's life in a direction. Maybe you're the one that's called to pick up that bow and be that bow for that child that doesn't have that that father that's there but god knows god knows thank you so much god bless you appreciate you happy fathers day to all of our fathers hope you have a wonderful week next week is when we start our services at 10 8:30 uh, and 10:30 so we're going back to our normal times starting next week so if you really love the music and the song service You better get into gear because we start 8.30 and 10.30 and Kids Church is happening in second service. Keep them in prayer. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Have a great barbecue.